Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, how's it going, uh, champagne sharks? And we have with us... Um, Potentially two guests, but right now one. The second guest maybe maybe joining us. We decided to just um, get started. But if you don't mind introducing yourself, feel free to introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, hi, I'm Ryan Salisbury. I uh, have a podcast called Neighbor Science, and it is the probably the nerdiest topic that anyone could come up with. It's political economy and anime. So I wasn't satisfied with doing like one extreme nerd hobby. Um, I, I do two on one podcast. Uh, T has been on it before. We did a another problematic anime called uh, Tate no Yusha or uh, Rise of the Shield Hero. And I thought that was a really fun yeah, episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And and you know what? Uh, I want to have you back on to talk about an anime um, but I had or a manga, but I just haven't um, found the one to talk about yet. And when this happened, I was like, oh, finally, this is something I can have Ryan on for. And it's pretty much probably... Is it safe to say it's the biggest uh, anime at this time of rapping, Attack Attack on Titan? I, I know it's not at its peak anymore. Like, it was... Yeah, I remember reading an article, like, last year that was, like, Attack on Titan is going to end soon, and it's, like, the biggest blockbuster anime out there. So, like, what is going to be the next one? So, I mean, I've, I've heard that there's, like, Attack on Titan stuff everywhere in Japan. Yeah. Like, convenience stores has Attack on Titan stuff. Yeah, you know? I think I might have read somewhere that uh, as it got close to the end, I guess maybe like Lost, because I feel like Lost kind of, um, no pun intended, lost its luster um, for like some of the intermediary uh, seasons. But by the end, everyone, even Laps fans, kind of jumped back in, you know, just just in time to be massively disappointed, but but still, uh, which which is something <laughs> we'll talk about today. If if you feel like this is uh, similar to a Lost thing where it uh, ended in a unsatisfying uh way well i shouldn't assume actually did you find the end of lost uh satisfying so i was just about to say uh i think it's not like lost because i actually like got to the end of this oh, so, so you never, never even got to the <laughs> I, end of I quit lost. watching lost in like the, yeah like uh whatever season it was where the, they had the writer strike and they just changed all the writers i was like okay they don't know what they're doing anymore yeah i was <laughs> so arguing I they never quit. did but the ones they replaced it with yeah. uh were <laughs> worse at hiding it uh, <laughs> I just I figured out pretty early that Lost was crap, um, but I was very into Lost the first season. But I figured out the second season not by anything it actually did on the screen, even though what caught what happened on the screen caught up to my impression. But they hired um, Jeff Loeb, the writer from uh, DC and Marvel Comics, who is like probably mm. like my most hated writer. Um, and <laughs> I, well. well the only writer I dislike more than him now is this guy called Brad Meltzer, who is like, to me, like Jeff Loeb, but worse. But when they hired Jeff Loeb, I was like, okay, if they hired him, I don't trust him. They, 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 uh, <laughs> and sure enough, like, that was the second season, and that was the one with the others, and it was just really horrible and everything. But I still 
stuck with it like on sheer momentum like i just uh stuck with it good on you for you know what i will say though i still i still get hype when i see any of the actors from lost on something else. the actors are great and it had some great yeah um single episode arcs like you know where the flashback story mm. was just a nice like i think lost would have worked better if they just said hey but it probably wouldn't have struck gold as much if it was a twilight zone show and instead of like having a mm overarching plot with flashbacks each of the flashbacks they made a standalone episode and it just became like an anthology show i think it'd be like a great show even if they use the same actors like you know some anthologies just like recycle actors like um american horror story and just have them play different people because it was good and like uh mm-hmm. nice single stories with a twist but lost was almost like if um twilight zone was just each episode was like a flashback and there's an overarching um giant story with mystery boxes in it that was just total uh crap and what i will say about attack on titan i think the creator of attack on titan unfortunately i don't know his name i should i should have his his name handy i've never used it he writes under a pseudonym anyway uh if, if the writer of the writer of that i will say actually knows the answers to the questions that he's bringing up he's not just doing stupid mystery box uh stuff you know mm. and it's not like when he reveals something, you're like, okay, that does not work. It's not like finding out the identity of Gossip Girl, and then you watch old episodes, and you're like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, this does not hold up. Like, no, this <laughs> everything he does till the end, whether some of it is clearly planned out from the beginning, he drops a seed, and it totally makes sense, like, when it's revealed, like, uh, 50 chapters later, what that seed meant. But even if some of the stuff wasn't in mind in the beginning, none of it breaks the... Um, can see it's all plausible as something that was thought of mm. before. I don't know if you agree or if you have exceptions to that rule that you might point out that I missed. Um, I mean, I thought so. I was talking to my friend Emily about it. Um, I was trying to see if she wa- if she was interested in coming on for this. Um, oh, that would have been great. Emily, if you're listening, and, uh, why didn't think- you come on? <laughs> I think she was worried that she was going to get too heated. Honestly. Oh my God, now I really um, wish Emily... <laughs> Came on. Right, Emily. Ask her because she was like, uh, busy? Tell, her, "Tell her, to hop in, hop in." in. I'll, okay. I'll ask her. I, I want to hear but, somebody. Uh, heated. She, she yeah. was basically like, "I thought the first half, like until they get to, um, like the other side of the ocean, was like really good because it was dreamlike and it was just like absolute horror." And then she think she thought that like everything after that, the author didn't know what he was doing and kind of ruined the vibe of it. And she's she cited stuff like the like the color palette and everything. Um, we, we see the color palette. Yeah, I'll, the, I'll, I'll do it. Oh now, yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Tell, tell her if she wants to hop in. She's totally free to. Uh, yeah, yeah. We like uh, dissenting passionate opinions on here. But uh, tell me about the color palette. What does she mean by the color palette? Um, well, I mean, if you look at like the first season of the anime, this obviously applies to the anime only because they didn't have color in the manga. But um, the first season or first two seasons, sorry of the anime um, is like all the colors are pretty muted and um, kind of dark and everything. And then once you get to the later episodes, they're like really bright and they just don't seem as like, they just seem like more like a normal anime, I think is what, what you Oh yeah. Something interesting as well is that they changed the studio for the last season. And um, people were asking why True. did they change the studio? And they said, because the tone is going to shift we wanted to have they said they had no problem with the old studio i mean i don't know if this is pr 
you know, for real. But they claimed they had no problem with the old studio. They like what the old studio did. They killed it. But they thought, you know, it to better um, exemplify, like, the tonal shift. But I do think it was kind of a mistake. Like, there's nothing wrong with the studio change. It was competent. It had some great moments. Yeah, MAPA is a really good studio yeah. in terms of, like, what they make. In terms of their labor practices, not so oh, good. Oh, yeah, but, but I think that's no, unfortunately um, normal for the industry. Yeah, but they made like uh, Yuri on Ice, which has unbelievable animation. Um, they did uh, what was that? Oh, the God of High School, which like story wise wasn't very good, but animation wise was extremely good. Um, Dora Hidoro, which was I think like nine out of ten anime. Um, they've they've done so much good stuff, and I was really excited when I saw that Mappa was going to be the studio. Yeah, I mean. Their animation wasn't, it wasn't bad at all, but I think the old studio, unfortunately, I'm not good with studio names, but the old studio, I think, had a very uh, good idea or feel for how they wanted characters to move. Like, the old studio, I don't think, came mm-hmm. out the box um, perfect, but I think the more they stayed with the characters, they had, like, you know kind of feels for how things move and how things happen and, and everything. And by the end, they were just really, really killing it. And then I felt like um, mm-hmm. maybe MAPPA, like I think if MAPPA had a couple of seasons with it, they might have really made it, I feel like American Idol like 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 made it their own. Like, like there was nothing, there was <laughs> nothing like incompetent about what they did at all. And some moments I thought were actually like, you know, very above average, but um, it, it just seems like they, uh, we're just thrown into the deep end and we're trying. Plus, it's got to be hard to pick up with someone else's style. Like, you have to figure out to, to what degree yeah. are we going to make this our own. We don't want to totally shift it too much, but it's very hard to ape someone else's style, even if you're really, really, really good in your own mm-hmm. right. So I don't envy their position there. Man, I, I should have watched some, like, just a little bit of the anime right before coming on, like the new season stuff to refresh myself on it but uh, i mean i felt like it was i i honestly didn't notice the color palette until um emily pointed it out i mean i i noticed it but i also felt it it worked if they wanted to really make it feel um like the passage of time like it, it didn't it didn't bother me even though i ultimately liked the old one uh better especially the way the old one used to the old studio used to animate um levi like as a real force of nature like it was really um when he used to do like Levi fighting, I thought it was really, really um, good at depicting him. But I mean, overall, yeah, he was like a scary yeah. character, which was I thought I thought a really cool choice. Yeah, I, and yeah, th- like I saw this uh, I saw this TikTok like uh, yesterday. Um, anime TikTok is surprisingly good, and there's there's this one of this woman who is like, oh, uh, me at my new house that I I got for cheap in Paradise. And she's just like washing dishes and then she sees like the Titans coming and like the animation of the clip that she picked for that was just like outstanding. Like just the way that the pure Titans moved is like really monstrous, you know? Oh, I think I know the way um, you're talking about. It's the one where three Titans are explode behind like some rocks or something and they come out. And it- um, it was one where like this one of them like flips over like in the air and then starts running really fast toward the. Yeah. Toward the camera, yeah, that's that's yeah. A, that's a clip. I saw someone on Twitter um, make a meme w- with that, um, where they said, uh, "Them, I'm built different." Then uh, it says, "I said them colon I'm built I'm built different." Then then it follows with 
how they're actually built. And and then uh, it showed those three, those three <laughs> properties. Uh, hold on, I think I'm, I'm even gonna send it. Tell me, tell me, tell me if it's if it's if it's, if it's this one. But it made me, it cracked me up. But it was also like a great great clip. It's, I think this is it. This is where the guy one of them comes out and does like a flip and then starts uh, running. Yeah, I just I just sent it. But, but um. On one hand, I think anyone ever listened to this episode has probably already seen Attack on Titan. So, like, I'm thinking about... Yes, that's the one. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about how do you... How much recapping should we do? How much should we, should we just go into the show? Because I feel like people... This is the kind of show that I think is has a casual fan. I think if you know about it, you know about it. Um, I don't think anyone... Yeah. yeah, one of the things I was going to say earlier about the popularity aspect is like this is one of those shows where you see like random teens walking around with like the wings on their jacket or their hoodie or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess what we can do is talk about the behind the scenes, uh, controversy. Cause a lot of people, even fans might not know about that. Like the, like the casuals, but I only saw it in preparation for the show. I only saw it for, um, cause people kept telling me it was good. I tried it a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I hated the art style, the anime, I mean, not the manga. Like, I just did not like the art style of the manga. I thought it just looked kind of crude. And I'm not sure if hmm. he improved, if he got some assistance to take care of the backgrounds, because the backgrounds used to be like sparse. And it felt like halfway between the art of that guy, one, whose art is crude, but I think works, and mm-hmm. somebody like yeah. uh, really good. Like, so. It was like the worst of both worlds. Like it was just, it was too crude to um, really appeal to me. Like um, one of the more incredible um, manga artists, but it wasn't crude enough to be charming. Like like one, it was like very in the middle. But, yeah. Um, okay. So I just tried like the first installment, and then I just gave up on it. But people kept telling me go back to it, go back to it, and I don't know if I got used to the manga art style. Or if he actually got better, but by like the midpoint to the end, I really like the manga art style. I it really it really grew on me. Again, I don't know if it improved or whatever, but I say all that to say I'm not like a years long fan. I really just processed the whole thing beginning to end in about a month and a half, and I'm curious to how that will change um, our perceptions because I don't know what your experience with it is. I don't know if you're a years long fan if you're a crammer like me or what yeah so i started watching the anime when it first came out um and i watched each season as it came out and i think your way is actually a lot better if you've never seen attack on titan you should just like watch it like as close to in one go as you can because there's like so many fucking characters in that show (laughs) who like a lot of them look very similar yes um and so like the impact of some of them like dying or like betraying people was like lost on me a lot because I would watch, you know, the first, I watched the first season in what, like 2013. And then I watched the second season when that came out. And then like when I watched the new one, I didn't remember most of the shit that happened in season three. So like, uh, uh, what's her name got killed. And I was just like, Oh, who's that again? (laughs) Like, uh, why, why do I care about this person again? I don't know. Um, Oh yeah. And there's a character called flash. Right, and he looks a lot like like Gene, 
Um, and, and, and it's uh, uh-huh. I, I got those two confused like crazy. That's another problem with the the manga. <laughs> the manga has no color, so the sameness of the faces is even uh, worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened even in even when I read the last chapter today. I was like, is that Armin or is that one of the other like blonde characters? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that is even as his art improved. That 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 was a, one part that didn't improve. The ability to differentiate. Um, Faces. I think he was trying by you know starting to give people different hairstyles and facial hair, but it still ended up uh, not working. There were times where it was even hard for me to tell um, Levi from from Mikasa from Mikasa in some in some panels because because uh-huh. he gave her a haircut and then she started getting uh, very similar to to looking like Captain Captain Levi. So yeah, that was an ongoing problem. What I ended up doing is I liked the art of the anime much, much better because it stayed true to the character designs. It didn't try to change the character designs in any any way. It was close enough to the original artist's um, design sense, but it had like a smoothness and a fluidity of it that made it really, really appealing. And also, maybe it was the anime that made me start liking the manga art uh, better, but... Uh, What's interesting about the the manga to me is near the end, I think maybe he started like rushing or cramming in too much stuff because I felt like the end started uh, unraveling a little bit in the art to get a little closer to the beginning where it wasn't as detailed as as some of the some in the middle of it. But um, I also feel like a lot more happened like in the last I don't know thirty chapters or so than like yes. the previous like eighty <laughs> or whatever. Um, I don't know if it was just a a side effect of me like r- trying to read it as fast as I could, because um, I was just trying to get through to the end. I I went from you know where they were in the anime like episode twelve of the most recent season to all the way to the end, and uh, I was just like, damn, all the like way too much is happening. Um, it wasn't like hard to follow or anything. I don't think, but it was some of it was like half baked. I think towards the end. <laughs> Because I think he was trying to finish real quick. Yeah, I mean, this is one thing I will say that I felt about about him. I don't think it was like lost words. Like, okay, I got to end it. What can I come up with? Okay, here's two weird characters, and they're actually the ones who were behind it all the whole time. And it's totally unearned. It's like I was like, okay, here's just a whole side thing that we obviously just pulled out of our ass. That's really a whole different series, and we're gonna claim that this series was a series that it was the whole time. They didn't do that. Everything <laughs> that happened at the end, even though it happened at a breakneck pace, I really felt was um, the seeds were laid were laid down for and were what his idea was all the time. But that didn't make the pacing any less breakneck. Like, it was kind of like he was taking his time getting somewhere or doing something. And then he looked at the clock and said, holy shit, there's an hour left. You know, let me just uh, speed it up. Yeah. The only thing I think might be an exception is, like, the... Um, like the recon group that came from, uh, God, what's it called? Oh, I, what's the fucking Malta, country? It's not Malta, no, it's not Malta. <laughs> Marley, Marley, Marley. Yeah, Malta's um, a real place. What am I doing? Yeah, like I, I thought those kind of those characters kind of came out of nowhere and didn't seem like very planned. But I guess it would be hard to set them up in any way prior to that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think they just needed like a faction to go with Aaron and like start fucking things up in parodies. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's totally fair. Like the, 
I mean, there were some things that I think needed to be unpacked. Uh, for example, this could be something he planned all along, or it could be something he came up with the last second. It could go either way, but either way, I think it needed to be set up a little bit more, and then we need to sit with it a little bit more, and that's the implication that Aaron killed his own mother this whole time. And they just treated that like a one-panel Easter egg <laughs> type of thing. I was like, whoa, that changes the whole existential bent of this whole project. Like, that's a very, that's like kind of finding out that, yeah. uh, oh, hey, by the way, in the off-panel side, uh, Peter Parker actually killed his uncle while blacking out. It, it, it wasn't actually a burger. <laughs> the burger was a figment of his imagination. And anyway, going on, and it's like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. You don't just, <laughs> like, whoa, that's weird. I think I might have missed that entirely in, in my rush to well, finish. It's very um, it's like literally like a two panel that, implication. Like um what it what it is is I kind of missed it myself, to be honest. I I was gonna keep quiet and act like I uh you know, just paying attention, but honestly I missed it myself. Uh it was Twitter. It was Twitter <laughs> that uh told me. And I was like, what are these people talking about? And then I went and I was like, Oh, okay. Um but there's a very <laughs> fleeting scene right where they're inside the what's the name of the place where the coordinate is the path yeah they're inside the path right and and Mm, armin and and uh well first of all there's a lot of stuff i didn't get until i i uh when i was reading about the aaron and the mother revelation i learned other stuff like that conversation the path i thought was happening in real time but apparently the conversation between aaron and armin in the path happened in, in the past but um, Aaron told Armin, I'm going to make you forget this conversation until the critical moment because, you know, I need you guys to kill me. So, we, you know, at that point, you're going to find out, you're going to remember this conversation. So, um, and in the midst of that conversation, he talks about how he was going to need um, Bertolt to, I guess, do something in that final battle. I mean, there's so much going on. It's hard to keep track of everything. But but Bertolt mm-hmm. comes back. I didn't understand how the old dead characters all came back, but whatever. But Bertolt came back and did something like pivotal, the key moment. And to ensure that that happened, I guess Bertolt was in danger of being eaten by one of the pure titans, you know, after he kicked open the thing. Mm-hmm. He steered Dina, that titan, in the direction of his mother. And basically sacrificed his um, his mother, and like, but they don't explicitly say it. Like he stopped short of saying it, and they showed a flashback of the Titan being steered toward the mother. And then Arben is like, "Wait, you don't mean?" And they're like, "Okay, m- moving right along." <laughs> it's like, "Whoa, what a weird two panel." <laughs> so yeah, I missed it the same way um, uh, you did. If I'm being honest, it was it was Twitter that. Um, revealed it to me and even then i just thought okay this is just people on twitter with bad reading comprehension but no it really is there like if you are able to pull up like that final chapter and skim to the part of dina eating um the mother in in a panel you'll see what i'm talking about yeah they reveal like around that time like so much like way too many like uh extreme coincidences like just the fact that um the Titan that ate his mother was the one that had the uh the royal bloodline or whatever. Yeah. Um 
it was one of those things where like uh like have you ever seen a satoshi kone movie like the tokyo godfathers or i've anything? seen some not tokyo godfathers but i've seen some some other ones is he has like in his movies a lot of like really wild coincidences oh, okay. is Sorry, he the one with paprika okay so yes. yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen him um so it's like it's kind of like i guess magical realism type of thing um in in terms of like the absolute crazy coincidences but i i feel like it doesn't really fit as well in attack on titan which is i don't know not it's just not that kind of work yeah like, yeah and, and they tried it wasn't like that since the beginning yeah and they try to do stuff like she says um right before she gets turned to a pure titan no matter what i'll find you you know and i guess that's kind of meant to establish mm-hmm. like she um that's why she came for the house because she she knew he was there but i mean it still doesn't help negate the coincidence it's still too much of a coincidence but then even then they eliminate it as a coincidence by saying that um aaron steered her steered her there but that just replaces one problem right. of a coincidence with an even bigger problem of wait so you killed your own mother and what were you doing all this for you know you know uh so <laughs> so it's like i agree it's like there's a lot of coincidences and stuff but even some of the coincidences that they do reveal not to be coincidences open up new problems right actually i'll jump i'll jump ahead to a different thing um do you are you satisfied with the ending overall because i i should jump i should jump to the end even though i'm complaining about somebody execution when it was all said and done i was uh overall satisfied i didn't feel like the end of lost or dexter or game of thrones like i i felt overall satisfied like there were things where i'm like this could have been executed like a lot better um and paced better as far as room to breathe and the breakneck pace at the end and i'm not really totally happy with the choices of how villainous they made aaron but overall I like the ending and I didn't feel like, wow, I regret being invested in this at all. Yeah. I think I agree with you there. Um, I didn't, I didn't especially like the direction they took. Um, basically f- starting from where season four of the anime is onward. Um, but I guess I didn't really know like what else they would do. I, I don't think I could come up with anything better. Um, and I do think like the choices that he decided to go with, uh, we're we're done well enough that yeah I, th- I thought it was you know a fine ending. I wasn't like super excited like hell yeah that was awesome. But I was like okay well you know it, I guess it works. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this I liked I liked a lot of the drama with um, Aaron and and Reiner. Like I liked the conversation. There, like, there were some quiet moments that I really liked. Like, I liked the conversation between Aaron and Reiner, where um, Aaron kind of, in one way, matured a lot. And in his own way, he kind of forgave Reiner. And he kind of uh, said, mm-hmm. you know, Reiner was like, you know, you said you were going to kill me next time you saw me. And then Aaron was like, oh, I did? Oh, well, never mind that. You know, forget it. And, and then, you know... <laughs> But at the same time, he still powered through and just killed everybody. Almost like it was like, hey, this is what I have to do. It's uh, it's a given. There's no turning back. But uh, at this point, it's not even personal anymore. You know, it, it. I thought it was kind of interesting 
all that stuff. At the end of the day, did I like it? I don't I don't know, but I was glad that he experimented and tried it. Like it was a type of subversion of shonen tropes that he was going for, where even if I'm not sure I ultimately like the subversion, in some cases I think I was like, you know, this might be a case where I actually would like the cliche over the subversion. I appreciated his ambition mm-hmm. in the subversion. Unlike, you know, say something like The Last Jedi, where everyone was praising uh, all these subversion of tropes. But I found it to be, first of all, like fake subversion. Like I thought it was a fake subversion because at the end, everything ends in the cliched place anyway, where, um, you know, oh, there's no good and evil. It's all grace. Oh, wait a minute. There actually is a good and evil. Uh, let the Jedi die. Oh, wait a minute. No. <laughs> The Jedi will never die. Um, no, Luke Skywalker is not the hero you thought. Uh, you know, give up your heroes. Uh, they only let you down in the end. You know, they're just human. Whatever. Oh, no, but he's a hero you thought. He's he's a cavalry. You know, and, 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 and so forth. Like, I'm like, why is this thing getting so much praise for subverting when every single uh, fake subversion, you know, ends up... It's trying to have its cake in and, and eat it, too. And it's actually... A doubling down on the status quo it's almost worse because you entertain all these fake subversive thoughts only to double down on the original so it almost makes the original tropes stronger if anything because you've entertained yeah all this um alternate stuff just to end up going back i mean ryan johnson did it with every little thing even the whole thing like the past must die jedi you know and and he he, he burns the books Wait a minute, psych! I put them in the in the in the fighter, and they're actually in the back seat. All the Jedi scrolls she saved. It's like, what, what was the point of fucking any of this? You know, to his credit, yeah. Whether I like the subversions or not, he carried them through to their most logical extension to the point that the shonen protagonist is actually genociding eighty percent of the planet. Like he didn't have at the last end. He yeah. realized, oh wait a minute, it was all a fake. It was all a plot. I actually am doing a typical. Uh, shonen thing none of these people really died or it was just it was just a fake out none of that he i was worried that 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 was going to be the thing like oh he's going to use like the founding titans power to like bring back everyone or something totally i thought yeah they didn't do that i don't know if they he might have like um what's it called like undid a little bit of the subversion though well no i guess not like what i was thinking when i was reading the end was like man it's kind of fucked up that um, like his main character thinks that he can like stop conflict by just like genociding 80% of the world's population. That's pretty fucked up. But then like right at the end, it's like, well, no, he didn't stop conflict at all. Actually, that's going to keep happening. And like people are gearing up for it because of that. Actually. Yes. Yes, it, yeah, exactly. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, Watchmen and Ozymandias mm. and bringing the squid down yeah. and how, how, it's highly implied at the end that all he really brought about was a temporary stop, but it was all going to end up starting up again. And I think that's what kind of what was um, happening here. And one thing that I think really helped Watchmen was that there was no Twitter or Tumblr around or social media when it came out, because I think uh, Alan Moore would have been like accused of like, who knows what during the course of that series. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been canceled like, (laughs) 10 times over because I knew about this guy's fascist reputation going into it because if you go based on the internet, but not just the internet, but a lot of 
so-called um, genre journalism, which you think would be less reactionary and reactive than, you know, tweets, mm-hmm. really isn't. It's just long-form tweets. Yeah. You know, I, I read so many long-form things about how Nazi or pro-Nazi or fascist sympathizer this thing was. And then when I got to the episodes, I was like, wait, that was it? Like, I mean, at the very worst to me, I think he was um, guilty of some sloppy illusions. You know what I mean? That he might not have fully Mm -hmm. thought out the um, implications to. But even those, if you were patient, you end up realizing that wasn't true. Like, like for example, like one of the articles that I saw that came out and it was uh, at one of these geek publications says, oh, he's by saying that the uh, Eldians uh, oppress the world, he's buying into like uh, protocols of the Elders of Zion propaganda where it says that the Jews ran the world and they oppressed everybody and the genocide is deserved because they did it, you know, first. And then if you wait long enough, you realize that it says that both things are lies. Like the idea that they um, oppressed the world and were, um, you know, tyrants and this is their just desserts. That was mm-hmm. a false history as well as a history that they um, actually were the saviors of the world and gave the world all the good things, you know, and were, and were betrayed that the resistance believed. And the truth is really, you know neither you know a little bit of a and a little bit of b and you know also c d and e that hasn't been been discussed and i was like why did these people give these long form um articles declaring him to be like a nazi sympathizer just based on like literally like the minute the chapter came out they decided they, they figured out he was a nazi sympathizer it was a very weird thing and i think um if they waited yeah i read i read a few of those articles um like I know most of them uh talk about how he like uh supposedly was like denying Japanese war crimes, which obviously is is bad. I'm not gonna defend that, but I do think it's more like people are thinking of it as like if a, an American was defending Japanese war crimes and not like if an American was defending American war crimes. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you know? exactly. I'm sure a lot of those people will, you know, watch Hamilton. You know, and not see the irony. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like slave, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like slave owners. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's a... Yeah, so I agree with you there. And and one thing I really liked about the, sh- the show and the series in general was just that, like, um, no one no one was ever, like, clearly in the right through the whole series. I think Aaron is pretty clearly in the wrong, but I don't think any one side was like, oh, yeah, these are definitely, like, the people that are good. And the people that they're against are the people that are bad or anything like that. Um, which I guess goes into the subversion thing that you were talking about. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally like agree. And I think a lot of the time, a lot of people were projecting their own things onto, onto him. I don't expectations like, mm-hmm. Oh, if he's doing this, he must be, this must be prescriptive and not um, descriptive. And to be honest, like you, I mm-hmm. fell into that trap sometimes too, because I, like you, thought it was trying to say that Aaron's genocide solution, as misguided as it was, actually um, was the good thing. But you're right. At the very end, it shows that it mm-hmm. really didn't solve what he thought. In some ways, it might have made things worse because on top of um, the hostilities brewing back up again, now there's no Titans left. 
So a major yeah. tool that the Eldians had to protect themselves is now uh, gone. And Paradis doesn't have the technology to um, match the outside world, like to catch up before the hostilities start is going to take a lot. So he might've actually, in some ways screwed them harder. And then on the other side of it, like, um, you know, the, the Titans are gone, but I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people on the other side of the ocean that don't believe that, you know, it'd be like, you know, uh, to use a real life example, like Iran saying like, it's not using its nuclear program for nukes. Like there's going to be a lot of people, even if, even if it's true or not, like no, there's going to be a ton of people that don't believe it because they're inherently suspicious of Iranians. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it definitely did have some problematic aspects, but it wasn't the problematic aspects that everybody <laughs> claimed they were. I was wondering, because I don't know if you follow mm. the discourse better than I do, because being new to the show, I was trying to catch up to the years of discourse overnight. I want to know if that's something that's kind of evaporated this idea that it's um, fascist sympathizers or I, I know how like that, that Tumblr, Twitter, social justice crowd can be once they get a hold of an idea. It's very hard to um, dislodge it. I was wondering uh, if you had any idea that the degree to which people are hanging on to this whole um, he's a Nazi lover. Yeah, I didn't go looking for it recently to see like how much people still believe it, but I definitely did see like people that I follow, like retweeting those articles. And I know that they haven't watched the anime at all or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, well, you're just going off these articles. Um, and they're basically saying like, you shouldn't watch it because of that. Yeah, it's very um, true. You're right. They were kind of basically saying that. Yeah. Um, which, th- I mean, honestly, there's like a lot of anime that could be called fascist propaganda, like as, as much or way more so than this. Like, Darling in the Franks, which is about like reproductive decline and how, you know, the Japanese need to start like breeding to, <laughs> to have a future, uh, or like my hero academia, which is like a superhero show and has like explicit, like genetic superiority and like society built around, you know, people being like Ubermensch essentially. And, um, I think this show is like way more morally ambiguous where they use like these Nazi like tropes, like the armbands and stuff. Um, but I don't think it's like a moralizing show. That's like telling you, you know, Jews are evil or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I think one of the problems too, is that people are very, I don't want to make this into some kind of like, Oh, anti-woke or social justice bash- bashing mm-hmm. um, rant. But I do kind of notice that some of the worst of that camp can be very literal minded. So it's like mm-hmm. just the fact that some of the uniforms and aesthetics look like that, I think can really short circuit a lot of brains in the way that looking like superheroes in My Hero Academia won't, you know? And right. honestly, and this is something that um, Alan Moore was, was, was things are very interesting. For me, is that I read I reread Watchmen very recently, like super recently, um, a couple months. I think I saw what you yeah a couple about months it. ago in preparation to watch the Damon Lindelof one, and I had no idea how mm-hmm. little I actually understood Watchmen. Um, the first time, the first I've read it like several times throughout my life. So over decades, um, I kind of under 
I read it very slowly this time, and I read all the supplemental material and all like the uh, other stuff, and then I even started reading um some like even Cliff Notes type, Spark Notes type stuff on it, and I realized that it was kind of saying what you said about My Hero Academia. It was kind of trying to say that about uh, superheroes. It was kind of saying that superheroes <laughs> is an inherently fascistic um, concept, and that. Uh, it just kind of sanitizes and validates some of the worst aspects of American history in that he was, he says, it sounds kind of ridiculous at the beginning. He says, like, uh, the KKK is arguably the first superheroes, you know? They wore costumes mm-hmm. and took the law into their hands. And the, the idea is that you can create some extrajudicial um, vigilante costume justice that will naturally have the right moral compass but uh in in reality going by america's uh history and the traditions uh any type of super any type of vigilante justice has been kind of used in the purpose of you know basically basically uh evil like 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 lynch mobs and all and all this stuff and everything and that and that Mm -hmm. um superheroes there's no reason to think that that they would they would be different and you, you need someone to to watch to watch the watchmen like you need, you need um anybody with that type of unbridled power and lack of accountability is going to lead to um a bad a bad place whether it's uh dr dr manhattan and his um apathy to suffering or ozzy mandias and his uh ideas of genocide or, or, or Rorschach and his reactionaryism and you know and and uh what's interesting is I feel like you'd find a social justice person more likely to call say Alan Ward's watchman um fascistic than they would my hero academia even though my my hero academia is like, like because my hero academia doesn't examine or bring the tropes to light at all they'll think it just doesn't exist in that mm-hmm. whereas something mm-hmm. like attack on titan or adam moore's watchman which is bringing it up to um deconstruct it and let the viewer kind of see for themselves the problem they would um miss that point and see it as an in- endorsement of it yeah, I, I bring this up way too often, but the thing that really got me from the Damon Lindelof one that like just showed how little um, you know, that group understood Watchmen was uh the line, uh, can you could you imagine Dr. Manhattan's powers in the hands of a white supremacist? And it's just like that was the whole thing. Like Dr. Manhattan was a white supremacist. He fucking helped the genocidal war in Vietnam. Like be victorious. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty much the same crowd that's like talking about this having this take on Attack on Titan. Yep, yep. The idea is as long as he was just following orders and he wasn't doing it with hate in his heart, he wasn't a white supremacist. Because white supremacy to them is about hate and being mean spirited. So if you're just doing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, like for example, if you're if you're a white liberal and you vote for Obama. And they bring up that he's dropping drones. The fact that you don't, you didn't vote for him because you hate the people that got droned and want them to get droned makes it okay that you voted for someone who put drones in. And makes it okay that, that mm-hmm. you will re- even reelect him because you're like, hey, I don't like that he drops drones. 
But I don't think he dropped drones with hate in his heart. And I didn't vote for him, the drone dropper, with hate in my heart, even after I found out that he was dropping drones. So it's all good because I just don't see Obama dropping the drones hatefully. Whereas Trump is dropping the drones hatefully. He's he's a hateful guy. So his drone dropping, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they're both the same white supremacist uh, project. You know, it's, 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 uh, and you're right. Lindelof totally buys into that. Like, for example, Moore is kind of saying that that absolute power is without accountability is corrupting no matter whose hand it is. Lindelof's ending. So, so to the point that Dr. Manhattan just leaves the planet in, in the ending of Moore's, mm-hmm. whereas the ending of um, Lindelof's is uh, trust black women. Uh, black women will save us. Uh, the problem is that Dr. Mahan's power needs to be in a strong black woman. And I'm a good white yeah. liberal because I trust the strong black woman to um, handle the power correctly. And that's a happy ending that it, it shouldn't be in the hands of a reactionary right wing uh, white supremacist. It should be in the hands of a black, a black female cop and representation matters. It's, 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 it's nonsense. Yeah, and to like bring it back to Attack on Titan, it's kind of the attitude that like power simply exists and will never go away, and you know reality just is what it is, and you, like the person with the best politics is the person who can make all the tough choices and you know do what needs to get done to you know try and take that one step towards like something getting better. Um, and the ending of Attack on Titan was basically like. Aaron thinking he has to make the tough choice of killing 80% of the world's population in order to like prevent future conflict um, because of the situation at hand. And I think is like the fact that he didn't accomplish that, I think is like pretty critical of that mindset, even if the author didn't really intend it to be. Yeah. But I also do think the author had to be um, cognizant of it because the ending to me, it makes it too clear that it failed for it to be an accident. I mean, th- mm, they're pretty much true. arming up to re- to, to reinvade uh, Paradis, and they're still mad at the Eldians. Like, it, like it, it. Um, some people, and there wasn't much more than that. Yeah, either at the yeah, end. exactly, I- exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. Too um, explicit, but I mean, to give another example about like how the representation. I know, maybe we should call them. I think the best thing to call them is the woke, kind of like woke capitalism. But it's deeper than that. It's it's woke capitalism mixed with woke exceptionalism. As in this idea, like they buy too much into the systems of capitalism and American exceptionalism and meritocracy and other. Um, they always have patriot in their bio. Yeah. But as like a as like a fuck you to conservatives, like well other conservatives, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, or, or they say like patriotism is the highest form <laughs> of the no dissent is the highest form of patriotism as in dissent yeah. is good because it is patriotism as opposed to wait. No, it's not patriotism and that's what makes it good. That's not that doesn't cross their mind. They still want to uh, let people know that we still believe in capitalism. Uh, corporations are going to save us. We just need woke corporations, you know? Um, not- I almost feel like they'd be using Tea Party imagery if the if the conservatives or the uh, Republicans hadn't ruined it with, like, overtly racist imagery and stuff. Holy. 
I could see that happening I could totally today. See that happening. <laughs> and I think that's kind of um, a big problem here is like um, Lindelof said, and this is where I knew he was a mor- moron. He said, I, a problem with Alan Moore's Watchmen is that I had a blind spot to white supremacy. And we're going to correct that. <laughs> I'm like, you arrogant prick. Like, it is never, I mean, it's, it's just right there that superheroes are the KKK. It knew what it yeah. was doing. The fact that there were no black people uh, in prominent roles or in power or whatever is part of the commentary in white supremacy that a world of mm-hmm. superheroes where white people hold the superheroes creates this kind of um, present. Like, it wasn't a blind spot, but because to him, um, the corrected to white supremacy is to have the same system, but have it be diverse. Um, but, you know, that would be addressing it, that it needed more tokenism is an indictment of his own limited understanding of white supremacy and his blindness to his own um, complicity in the system. You know what my theory is, actually, um, with with him not having understood Watchmen? Um, and I will admit, I, I did the same thing. I haven't reread it. I was I thought about doing it recently, but uh, the first time I read it, I didn't think about it being like you know an epistolary novel. It's like like a novel. It's like a series of documents. So all of those like aside things, like the the letters and um, like the history stuff that's like next to the you know the panels with all the action that's happening, I sort of glossed over that. And I, I think he probably did the same thing because that's where it explains like a lot of that um, connections to white supremacy stuff. And I've, I looked, I looked at some of those pages recently, and I was like, "Wow, he's like very explicit about this being connected to the KKK." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think he totally um, skipped over it because it seems like he would. But also, I think even if he did read it, mm-hmm. I just seeing how his mind works, I just don't trust that he would he would get it. But I'll say this too: um, he this, this is an interesting fact that I only found out this month. Um, Len Wein was the producer, was the editor of Watchmen almost until the end. Like, like someone else took over later on, like for like the final installments. But to give a diff- an idea of how different Damon Lindelof, um, creator of Lost, is and Alan Moore, all that stuff wasn't supposed to be in the book. He was such a stickler into understanding the characters and having a complicated fully thought out backstory, motivation, families, whatever, that he would write and create all those things as things to guide himself, as an exercise to do, to, to kind of understand how to, what the characters would do and how they would be. He'd write himself little in-depth bios and whatever, but it was also for the artists and the other people on the book and the editors and stuff. Like, So he was creating this stuff for the artists and things like that so you can un- so they can get an understanding mm-hmm. of who the character was for himself for the editor and then um len Wein asked him what are you going to do with all this stuff and he goes um nothing so then he's like why don't we incorporate it into the book this is too good to waste so um the reason i bring this up is i think even if you uh were to skip that stuff i think i think um alan moore kind of had faith in the audience that it was going to come through just through mm. um, the work, that that the audience could get the raw material and then um, come to the same conclusions themselves to the point that they didn't even need that um, documentation 
in it. And Len Wein was like, no, this is too important. It really helps. And I think Alan Moore was wrong and Len Wein was right in that, you know, both of us are guilty. Uh, I'm guilty of missing all that for years, you know? I mm-hmm. did read the back stuff, but I kind of just skimmed through. It was just something to skim through to get to the next uh, yeah. bunch of stuff. So um, even though I did technically, like, quote, unquote, read it, I didn't, like, really read it. You know, I, I might as well as outright skip it. Yeah. And and you uh, didn't read it, you know, and we both kind of, I think, made the same misinterpretations and everything. And this time, like, I really sat with and read it like I was reading a novel and read it slowly and it and it really 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 um helped so yeah i think to a certain degree adam moore is guilty of you know you know i think it was hl Mencken who said you'll never go broke uh underestimating the intelligence of the american public and i think adam moore for all his thoughts of being cynical and everything i think actually was way more optimistic in the american public and our intelligence than we merited and i wonder if, yeah you know what i think it's very uh Oh, oh no, go no, no, go ahead. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about is like the fact that the, um, well, for one, the, uh, all of the takes on Attack on Titan being fascist. I think one of the ones that I think is actually pretty good is the, uh, there's a wisecrack video where he talks about, I, I think they produced this like at the end of season one or two. And they're talking about how Attack on Titan basically imagines what it would be like to have a society that, uh, runs under the ideas of Carl Schmidt, the Nazi jurist, and how they have like um, this one outside enemy to like prevent conflict, and you know they have a sovereign who's like basically freely able to do whatever it takes to keep society running smoothly, and uh, that's kind of like one of the main ideas that Alan Moore critiqued with Ozymandias's plan of like having this outside alien enemy to yeah. unite humanity. But a lot of people um, thought he was endorsing that idea. Um, interestingly enough. Yeah. Right. That was the one thing that I did get from like the politics from my first read through. Cause I remember thinking like when I was a teen, like, Oh yeah. If, if an alien invaded, then like humanity would just unite and we would all like, I, I, I thought that that's how we would achieve communism yeah. <laughs> actually. But, uh, <laughs> Um, but after reading that, I was like, yeah, I guess that is bullshit. Um, and I think attack on Titan also like, cr- uh, critiques that idea pretty well. Like, yeah, I think it critiques the idea, the beginning of the I series think it critiques the idea pretty well, but I think like more, he might have had too much faith in the intelligence of, um, the average audience member. I think in that way, society hasn't yeah. changed that much. I think, um, most people just kind of only, only go, don't go past the surface. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like in the first two seasons, like uh, parody seems like pretty united overall. Like, there's obviously like conflicts like between the the people of the outer walls and the people of the inner walls. Um, but then I think the idea is that like the people of the outer walls are just sort of going along with it, and it's not like this is a stable society. Because if you have an outside enemy, then like there won't be any fighting. It's more like this is a stable society because there is an outside enemy, and the people on the inside of the walls simply have control over like the instruments of power, and kind of the people of the outer walls sort of like go along with it. Um, 
either because they don't they don't think they can rise up against them or because they might think that there's no alternative to it. I agree. And I'll even add something to that. I think what Wisecrack was critiquing was right, but I think what I didn't realize, it's not totally their fault because I think it is fair a lot of times, 90% of the times, to think that what is being depict, depicted is uh, also being endorsed. You know, like I like I think a lot of times, 90% of the time, that yeah. is the case. So you can't totally get mm-hmm. mad at someone for thinking that's what a uh, something is doing, um, especially before it actually takes the time to show you otherwise. But I think what it, he might have been doing is trying to do to Shonen what more was trying to do to su- superheroics, where it is, um starts off like seemingly just depicting them, but gradually trying to um, deconstruct them and show like how much like fascism is built in. Like, I think rather than being fascistic himself, I think he was kind of trying to show that a lot of tropes that we take for granted in Shonen manga is actually um, fascistic. And He's showing it by mm-hmm. taking it to its extremes, you know? And I think it's very, very deliberate that Aaron is set up in the beginning as a totally typical shonen protagonist. Like, he is... When I first started watch, watching it, I'm like, okay, as soon as I realized he was a titan, I was like, okay, now I finally realize what the storytelling engine of this is. I know what it's supposed to be. So basically, he's going to keep finding a bigger and badder titan at every... At every arc, and he's just gonna keep elevating and leveling up. And by the end, he's gonna, you know, you're gonna see the final form of of Aaron against like whatever like the worst mm-hmm. uh, Titan is. You're gonna find out who the king of the Titans is, and the main Titan, who probably like a super intelligent uh, version of himself, and whatever. And like things just kept kind of effing up. You know what I mean? Like like the whole way through, and things never really went smoothly. And there's things that happened where, for example one of his big moments of maturation is realizing that he wasn't special, you know, where he said that like, I was just a great big child that thought that I was special and I was the one to save everybody. But, you know, I needed everybody. I needed people's help. I couldn't like it. It keeps setting up like the tropes of, it keeps ex- setting up and exaggerating the tropes of shonenism. If that's even a word to, uh, eventually, uh, subvert them but i think maybe based maybe like because he took his time getting there that when he started subverting it people just still didn't realize yeah i think it's also um like i i I have my notes in front of me and one of the sections that i had in here was that like through the first season um aaron's motivation is very upfront he wants to kill all titans and secure humanity's existence basically um but then like as you get toward the end he like wants to revive the Eldian empire and that like kind of confused me. I was like, what made him switch, which we find out later is like the, the part where he kisses Historia's ring or whatever. Um, but then I started thinking about it and it actually like is pretty congruent with this character because like through the beginning, he was always motivated by, um, he wanted to be free from the monsters. He wanted to kill his people. He wanted to like leave the walls. Um, but then when he travels to Marley, he learned that like the monsters that want to kill his people included like all of humanity, basically. Um, so I think you're like the thing you're talking about where he he finds like the bigger and bigger Titan did actually happen in a way. 
It's just that the, the biggest titan was everyone else. All right, y'all. So that is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.